Hello. Hi, Talia. It's Ruby. How you going, Ruby? I'm okay. How are you going? Yeah, we're getting there. Mm. And where are you at the moment, Talia? We're located in Tari on the mid-north coast and we live on a 30-acre property. So we have horses. We adjust to other people so they have their horses there as well. It's still pretty wet and muddy at the moment. It's not as heavy as what it was, but it's still a constant rain. So if we look out in the paddock, there is a a lounge suite. I have some bins that belong to the property, about 60 acres over the back. There is a wall unit, chest of drawers, I think, further down that we spotted. Wow. There's just everything floating. Our horse jumps and feed bins, they're all floating. And if you walk over to the school, you can see there was, what we see is like fresh apples that were on the ground. There was jam. You know, it's just... Everyone's cupboards that have been washed completely out, they're all everywhere, everything. All I can see is just mud and slop. Like when I say slop, I mean like pools of water where you can just step in them and you sink down half a metre in water and mud. And just there's water everywhere. The fences are all broken with there's trees and debris sitting on them and going through them. It's definitely a lot worse than what it was when we were younger. And that, that was only 15 years ago. From Schwartz Media... I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Nearly 20,000 people have been evacuated as Australia's east coast suffers from the worst floods in more than half a century. The deluge started last week when hundreds of millimetres of rain fell across New South Wales, causing significant flooding across the state. On Saturday morning, thousands of residents in Western Sydney were forced to evacuate as the banks of the Hawkesbury River burst. A state of disaster has been declared in a number of regions, with rain continuing to fall this week. On the mid-north coast, one of the heaviest hit areas, more than a metre of rainfall has fallen since last Thursday, the equivalent of two-thirds of the region's annual rain. The region was also hard hit during Black Summer, with many of the same communities devastated twice, first by fire, now by flood. Today, Australia's battered east coast and what the increasing frequency and severity of wild weather events is telling us about climate change. So, Talia, this all began on Friday when a weather warning was put out for your region. Uh, Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it was Friday night, probably afternoon. It was raining normally, like heavy. And then we got a weather warning late afternoon to say we'd have severe rain and forecasted. They didn't tell us how many mils. I think it was a very low amount. And then that night, it never stopped pouring. Like, it was it was that much. It was like the roof was rattling, like it was howling. It was really severe. Mm. And can you talk me through what happened the next morning on Saturday morning? Yep. I got a phone call from my brother at about 7 o'clock in the morning to say that he needed help, that he was flooded and his house had gone. The SES was bashing on his door to get out in the morning. He got out just as the water was coming through the back of his house and he was panicking. I've got out of bed and when I was trying to settle him down, I've walked to my kitchen window, opened the blinds and I've had a panic attack. I'm like, mate, I have to go. I've got to go. The horses that were down the bottom paddock at that time were already up to their stomachs in water. Yeah, right. We had no idea and it was even that bad. So what did you do? We, I just I dropped the phone, I hung up and I ran straight out into the paddock and grabbed them out. The electric fence was still on, I didn't even turn it off. We got the two out from the back paddock and we brung them up and then I had to go back and get another one. And the water was coming in really fast. 
At that point, we got the ones from the back paddock up to the top yards where it was still a little bit dry. But then within an hour of trying to get everything out and done, the paddocks just kept going under and under. We put a thing out on Facebook for people to come and help get the horses out. Between our horses and our next door neighbour, we had 18 horses. And within an hour and a bit, the water was just flooding in. We got five out and then my neighbour's house went under. Her eight horses were stuck on the hill up the back. By this time, it was about a metre and a half in water and we had to swim down to get them off the hill and bring them through. And the flood water was rising. It was getting that bad. It was up around, I think it was around the necks by that time. It was really severe. And we didn't realise how bad it was getting when we jumped in. Mm. The water was, it was mucky, it was filthy. It was covered in spiders. Like, I mean, thousands of spiders. Wow. It was severe. Like, we had spiders crawling up our shirts, on our hats. I'm not even joking when I say thousands of spiders. They were just walking across waters and they had white egg sacs in their mouth. They were just trying to survive just as we were. We got bites all over us. At the moment, we've got, like, little pimple bites from our body all, all over us. There was a snake went swimming past. He didn't mind about us. He was just trying to get out of the water. So we got trapped in the paddock for over an hour and then someone alerted the rescue squad to come down because we were missing. So the rescue helicopter, he did come down. He was watching us and the police and that were here. We got out eventually because one of our friends, she smashed the fence down to get them through. And so did you manage to save the horses? We nearly lost one of them. A mini pony went through into the water, but it was too deep for her to stand. So she went under. She's okay, though, because the volunteers that come helped, it was just some young kids, like teenagers, and their mums and, and a man come to help. And they had no, no experience with horses. But they jumped in and they swam out through all the spiders, everything. And the only thing that we kept going was that we have to get out of the flood water. It was just to keep going. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. Because if we stopped and we wanted to, we, I don't think we would have got out. Our house is fine because it was on stilts, so it was raised up. But all the sheds, the property, the house, like in our property, our, our owner was building a granny flat. That's all gone. All our sheds are washed through. The driveway, everything. And my next-door neighbour, she's lost everything. Like, it went to the second level of a two-storey house. And it washed out everything. Like, all her belongings are through our paddock as well. That was in a matter of five hours. It comes through and took everything. And so how are you feeling about the next few hours and next few days? The next few hours, we're not really worried as much because I suppose we've just got to keep going. The next few days, there's a bit more of a touch and go because we know the weather can change within hours. And we know they're saying that it's going to go back as worse as it was. And if it does, that means everything's going to go all back under again. That's so terrifying. Uh, it was horrible. It was the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Is it your experience that, that weather events like this, but also your region was also affected by fire recently as well, have these kinds of things become more common and have they become worse? Yeah, lots more worse and more common. It's one disaster to another. Years ago, you'd have a small flood and it'd be fine, you know, a few bushfires here and there. Now it's just taken the whole states, the whole lot. There's no one spared out of any of it. This is only going to be this and then in the next six months, there's going to be something else between the fires and then the droughts and then the COVID and then now the flooding, what's going to be next? We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, 
but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. The forced spill upstream from Warragamba, churning out roughly 100 Olympic swimming pools every minute. So far, 18,000 people have been evacuated. Now, most of those people are living on the mid-north coast. So the end of the rain won't be the end of the floods. Mike, how are you? I'm dry, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And what's the weather like where you are? How's the rain? Where I am at the moment, in the inner west of Sydney, it's not raining very heavily at this exact moment. Mike Seckham is the Saturday Papers national correspondent. But I believe it's raining more heavily further out to the west, out round Penrith and up into the Blue Mountains and over the catchment of, of Sydney's dams. So it's, um, it's, it's still pretty heavy. So we might have a way to go with this yet. Mm, it seems like there was a lot over the weekend, wherever you were in Sydney. Oh, there, there was a huge amount. Sydney's biggest dam, which is Warragamba, was overflowing and it was spilling, according to Sydney Water, so according to the official figures, it was spilling something like 450 gigalitres a day, which is, um, for, for context, that's roughly the volume of Sydney Harbour coming over the dam wall every day. So it's huge. And large areas of the state and large areas of Sydney are underwater. You know, large areas of the central west of New South Wales have got like 200%, 300% of their monthly averages in just a few days. A large swathe of the, the coast from like around Ballina, South Coffs Harbour, Port Macquarie, just to the north of Newcastle, all that area, have had 400 or 600 millimetres. Thousands of people have been evacuated and thousands more yet may yet be. I heard one suggestion that maybe 50,000 people might have to be moved before this is over. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Mm. And some of the areas that are being hardest hit at the moment, they're also some of the same regions that really um, had a really hard time um, with the bushfires last year as well, right? Yeah, that's part of the tragedy of it, really. The poor people who live there, you know. Uh, I might add also drought, you know, before the fires was the drought. So they've had the drought, then they've had the fires, and now they're having floods. Large parts of the mid-north coast that burned, you know, in the black summer are now experiencing just biblical amounts of rain. And one can only imagine that a lot of the ground will still be bare or bearish from the fire and topsoil will be being washed away. So it's pretty grim. It's um, literally drought and flooding rains. Mm. And we do keep hearing about these types of events being one in 50 year event, one in 100 year flooding, that kind of thing. And Um, You know, the New South Wales Premier, she said that the floods were beyond anyone's expectations. But it does seem, as you say, like these kinds of weather events are becoming more common. So is it time that we change the way that we talk about this kind of thing? Well, well, I think it is. And I might add, in in the case of the fires, some of those fires burnt into rainforests that the scientists reckon wouldn't have burnt for a thousand years. So we're talking, in, in the case of the fires, we're talking one in a thousand year events at least in the case of the floods, maybe one in 50 or 100, but they seem to be happening more frequently than that. 
So, yes, to answer your question directly, it is time we started thinking more about this and it's time that we started getting a bit more serious about doing something about climate change, which at the moment, as we can see, seems to be accelerating. And so how much of this can be attributed to climate change? Well, the scientists always warn us against attributing any one event to climate change, so I won't do that. But what we can say is that extreme weather of this kind is becoming increasingly frequent here and around the world. The Bureau of Meteorology suggests that over time, the southeastern part of Australia will actually get less rain overall, particularly um, spring rain. And, and I know that sits a little oddly with these record-breaking floods, but in, in fact, climate change makes weather more extreme. It doesn't just make it drier. So, you know, it confuses some people that, that the same phenomenon can cause drought and also flood. But the explanation is actually pretty simple because what, what happens is as the climate warms, there's more evaporation. So for every degree warmer the climate gets, and in Australia it's maybe a degree, a degree and a half so far, for each degree of warming, the air can hold an extra 7% of water vapour. So that means that the land dries out quicker, but there's all this extra humidity floating around in the air. So when it does rain, it pours. And, and that's what's essentially happening here. Uh, and I might add, water vapour is itself a heat-trapping gas. So we have this feedback loop whereby a hotter climate means more evaporation, more evaporation means more heat, means more extreme weather. Mm. And what are governments doing to respond, Mike? Is there an acknowledgement that these weather events are becoming more severe and more common? Well, certainly in the case of the fires, we had various inquiries, all of which pointed the finger at climate change being involved. We obviously haven't had any inquiry into the floods yet, and I haven't heard anyone in government talking about the role of climate change, but it's undoubtedly a factor. And unfortunately, our federal government in particular is basically doing very little about it. Some of the states are, are, are a lot better. South Australia is very good on renewable energy. So is uh, Tasmania with its hydro. But, you know, the, the federal government is still talking about new coal-fired power stations in the case of the National Party. In the case of the Liberals, they're talking about not so much coal as gas, which is just another dangerous fossil fuel. So uh, I'm afraid the, the signs are not very good with the current federal government in terms of taking this as seriously as they should. We've seen multiple bleaching of the, of the Great Barrier Reef. We've seen mangroves dying off up in the Gulf of Carpentaria, and these are all um, climate change-related phenomena. So wherever you look, you can see evidence of, of things getting away from us, and, and unfortunately there seems to be just inertia on the part of the Morrison government. Mike, thank you so much for your time and um, stay safe. Thank you very much. Stay dry. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, an evacuation order has been issued for more residents in the Hawkesbury-Nepean catchment as the New South Wales flood emergency continues. The next 12 hours will be critical for the state as two weather systems combine to deliver more rain to already peaking rivers. 
and Prime Minister Scott Morrison held a press conference yesterday pledging to improve outcomes for women in Australia. The press conference followed allegations Liberal staffers had filmed themselves performing sex acts in the office of a woman MP. During the press conference, Scott Morrison raised an alleged harassment complaint within News Corp. News Corp has since responded, saying the claim was simply untrue. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.